This is To The Point. A Rhino Experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what's up to the point listeners? It is your boy, Cristiano, and I am live at ACA Conference 2022 in St. Louis. Uh, hey, Ken, do you know what you call St. Louis? Like what, what the boys call St. Louis, what the cool kids call St. Louis? You know what the nickname for it is? I don't know. SLT? STL. Oh, STL. No, <laughs> it's the Lou. Why? The oh, Lou. the Lou. It's the Lou. The murder capital of the world. <laughs> Don't you feel safe? <laughs> well, if you can't tell by now, I have a, a guest co-host with me, and that is Mr. Ken Goodrich. KG, welcome back to the uh, to the Point of Podcast, brother. What's up? What's up? And uh, we also have a, uh, a guest that we uh, were with, uh, I guess it had been early last month at Rhino X, um, and that'd be Brian Sloan. And Brian Sloan is the, what is your official title? Are you El Presidente? Uh, you know what? That's a really good... I'm pretty much everyone's whipping boy, it seems like. Okay. Right? I don't even know if I should say that, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of the... I'm the president, but everyone kind of bosses me around anyways. Got it. Okay. Yeah. From T.R. Miller. And they are actually... So you're... Te- are you technically in Plainfield, Illinois? Nailed it. Yeah, right in Plainfield. <laughs> so the southwest suburbs of Chi-Town, Chicago? Oh, yeah. Got it. The second murder capital. The oh, second murder it, capital it, of yeah, the world? Yeah, it's up there. Is that real? Uh, it, it's up there. Jeez. Okay. Well, hey, welcome, man. I'm glad to have you on here. It was good to spend some time with you at Rhino X and learn a bit about the business. And uh, and I just thought it was your story is probably going to be really intriguing to a lot of our listeners. They can relate to a lot of it too. And I thought what makes it even better is when you bring on Ken to the podcast to kind of throw in his two cents, you know, at will. My color. Exactly. I My love color, it. if He's you will. a color commentator. <laughs> it's just sometimes super colorful. <laughs> well, I look forward to it. Appreciate you guys being here too and giving me the opportunity. Yeah, so. I mean, of course. This is a, now. This is a third generation company, right? Uh yeah. Well, technically, uh, s- second generation. Uh, but my great grandpa was in the trades. Okay, uh, so yeah, third generation family. Fourth, really? <laughs> fourth. Yeah, fourth. Uh, my great grandpa was uh, in distribution. My my grandpa was in di- distribution for heating and cooling, and my dad got on the contracting side. And so you had no choice. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't we do this? Let's go ahead and just kind of uh, let our listeners know um, a little bit of how you got into the trades, um, all the way up to like where you're at today. I mean, and kind of what you've uh, you know, what you have built because I think it's been pretty uh, pretty amazing in a short amount of time. Awesome, man. Yeah. So um, I guess it technically started when me and my brother were maybe 10 years old. I remember every Saturday and Sunday waking up to my dad remodeling the house, circular saws going, and uh, 2008 came around. He worked for a new construction companies, and uh, the, the owner asked if he wanted to buy his customer care. And so my dad started the business. He kind of recruited me. I was going to college at the time. He kind of recruited me to come work for him. I saw a great opportunity there. So I started off uh, doing deliveries is where I started. Uh, started off doing deliveries. We did a lot of new construction and uh, worked my way through fabrication, installs, a little bit of service sales, project management, and then in 2016, my, my parents actually separated. So they both kind of exited the business. My mom hard exited, and then my dad was just, he was running sales calls from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m., and it really just forced me and my brother to kind of get more involved in the business and really take over operations. When was that? 2016. 2016? Yep. Okay, so 2016, you and your brother are 
now going what full? Yeah, so in 2016, uh, when my dad bought the business in 2008, we did 2.8 million that first year to give some perspective. Revenues actually declined over the next, let's say, 10 years. So 2016, eight years, they declined. We did about 2.4-ish million, had about 11 employees. And that, and that was in the uh, residential new construction business? Everything. So a lot of, like, a lot, probably a lot of heating, cooling companies, we started off as residential, light commercial, new construction. Uh, in 2016, we did a little bit of everything. Yeah, it, we, sl we slowly got out of new construction from 08 to 16, but we were still pretty involved. Probably half a million to a million in new construction at that time. Uh -huh. And was that tract houses or custom or, or commercial or all of the above? It was whatever we can make money doing. Okay. <laughs> well, not make money doing, but top line dollars. Yeah, you know, revenue. To, yeah, revenue. Yeah. So. Trailer parks? Uh, we, <laughs> close. <laughs> yeah. Little trailer parks need some love too. Hey, they do need service too. So, okay, so take me to uh, past 2016. Like, what's going on? Like, yeah, so 2016 got more involved, got educated a little bit, I guess I say. So, educated as in I went to ACA forums and re started doing some reading. Okay, yeah, and, and then uh, joined some best practice groups. And then this year, we are budgeted 23 and a half million and we're pacing 25. Not a boy, yep. So, uh, wow. That's, Incredible. Great yeah. job. Nice Appreciate work. it. Thank you. Um, got to spend some time with you guys out at, the, at Rhino X, and then we went to the Open. So we got to know each other a little bit. Yes. And you guys got to hang out with uh, President uh, Rhino, Mike, in uh, Chicago. We did, yes. He invited you guys out on a, on a night out on the town, didn't he? Something like that? Yeah, we, we had fun. Let's <laughs> say that. <laughs> yes, it was good. <laughs> Damn it. We only really hung out for about, about a couple hours, but... Uh, there's just so many people down there. You kind of just yeah. get sidetracked. Yeah, it was a lot of people. I heard. There was, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's what I, we're going to call it. But I heard you guys had a good time. Yes. Well, so listen, congratulations like on all the, you know, like the success of the business. And I know that one thing that I appreciated that you did is uh, like even after Rhino X is when you went back, um, you went and implemented some of the things that you learned. Like what were some of those things that, that you took away from Rhino X that you, like we were just talking about a pre-podcast that you were telling Ken that you went back and implemented to try and, help you know, move the business forward even more? Yeah, I think for us specifically, and I don't know if this resonates with other businesses, but for us, the last two years with COVID has really been about product fulfillment. So like, how can we get this product to, you know, do all the other sectors that we need to do? And so we kind of lost track on what we were paying our vendors. Um, so, you know, like fool, yes, yeah, so we definitely implement, I don't know how much I want to say, but I'll, I'll just say it, we're a pretty open book. We, like fools, would pay with check. You know, we were really, we'd just pay all of our materials with check. Every Friday we do check releases. We still do that today, but some things we're going to start to implement or have moved forward on is using credit cards. Um, not so that I, we can go on awesome trips and use it to buy cool things like sweet cars, but you really use it to decrease our, our marketing, or not our marketing, but our material expense. So using, you know, we, we partnered with a credit card where we'll get 2% rebate on our purchases. So using that as a tool to help decrease our material costs or equipment costs. Nice. I use my Amex for everything. Because then I fly basically for free. <laughs> All those flights the last <laughs> seven weeks. Decreasing that travel expense. <clears throat> Decreased my travel expense yes. significantly. Thank yes. you, American Express. This podcast is not sponsored by American Express. Um, so you guys start to, you're starting to have a little bit of success. You got a good game plan in place. You're doing all the right things. You're going to conferences. You're, you're 
meeting the people, you're implementing the things that you're learning. Um, was there like, um, maybe this hasn't even happened yet, but is there like a moment when things like just started to like click for you or you think you're still like trying to find that, that moment? Like, is it feel like I get it. I understand how to scale this thing. Are you there yet? Yeah. I, it's hard. Cause I don't want to act like I know. Cause then I'll, I'm sure I'll make a mistake here in the future. I'm like, crap, mess that up. Um, I, I don't think there's a pivotal moment of where I've learned things. And I, and I say that because of our hyper growth. And so what I know today is what I know on how to run maybe a 15, 10, five, two and a half million dollar company. But each year that we continue to grow because we've averaged 40 to 60% growth year over year. So as we continue to grow, I need to be here at ACA or other conferences and, and continue to educate myself, not only what's going on in our trade, but what's going on outside of our trade because it influences you know, the, the construction industry, I'll say. So I don't think there's a single pivotal moment. I think the greatest thing I learned was to know our numbers, both at the financial level and at the operational level. Got it. Yep. I hope and, that helps. And what, what, uh, what niche did you, did you settle into? Yeah, yeah, we totally missed that. Uh, so we're 100% uh, residential replacement and service. Wow. You transformed the whole business from smorgasbord, everything, yep. to 100%. And grew that fast at the same time. Yeah, and we didn't do it overnight. Um, we said if we could do A, then we'll eliminate B. And what I mean by that is we still had to s supplement that income somehow or that revenue somehow. So once we got, like, we said we'd be 100% done with new construction if we added the line of service of plumbing. Because we could, you know, we could generate revenue out of plumbing. We just didn't drop it cold turkey, even though we probably should have dropped it cold turkey once we realized how much money we were losing <laughs> or the opportunity that we were losing too. So, yeah, great question. So, what, you, you, know, you don't want to continue with plumbing? No, I love plumbing. Yeah, our, <laughs> our first year of plumbing, last year was our first full year of plumbing. We did two and a half million. Uh, we budgeted five million this year. So, plumbing's been a great extension to our, our service lines. Got it. You know how I got our plum. You know how I got our plumbing business up to six million sales. I just said, anything less than half a million a month in plumbing is just a hobby, <laughs> and I continue to drill that into my manager's head until they got past the hobby stage. I, I love that. I'm going to incorporate that in our sewer department. <laughs> anything less than a million dollars a month in sewer is a hobby. Just a hobby. I love that. Lesson learned. I'm stealing it. <laughs> Now, you, so you said look, kind of like that two and a half to five to 10 to like 15, like those marks. Were there some like, uh, is there anything in there that stands out to you that was like a, um, a, a real like learning moment for you? Like, oh man, I just, I've been making this mistake the whole time. Like, was there something in that gap where you're, that stands out to you that, you know, that you caught and fixed and, and was able to? Yeah, I'll, t I'll take that two directions. So I'll take it as the most important lesson learned that I think Kent actually spoke a lot about today um, that I learned is taking, you know, one of your, because uh, my first, I, I'd have to imagine as a company girl, as the first general manager, like the first manager they're going to put on their team outside of themselves is a service manager. And so a great mistake I made that which, hum I wouldn't even say it was a mistake. There was so much learning opportunity there was taking my service manager and making him, or I'm a service technician and make him a service manager. But it, it was so great for me. And he was a little older than I was. It was amazing, amazing lessons learned there were just how to coach and manage. That's, I guess that was my first experience of coaching and managing. And it was, a, it was a challenging coaching and managing experience. 
and, and how did that one end up? Uh, well, he's no longer he no longer works for us. Yeah, and, and it sucks because. I mean those 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 hurt right the, that that one hurt when you have well, to like you get you get you know double damage right you took a good guy out of the field and he failed at the other role and he's bitter when he leaves you know it just it's a bad bad move and we all do it <clears throat> i certainly have done it way too much and i've certainly done it way too much in the near term you know so be very very careful in your selections when you're promoting from within right yeah yeah, that, that, that's the common one, I would say, for sure. And I think maybe it, it's a good lesson to be learned there. There's a lot of value there. In, um, but outside of that, I would say unique to that. Um, I guess my own learning, or not my, my own management ability is just, I'm still learning when to push and when to pull, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm learning when to be insertive and when not to be insertive and still like learning that balance of, of, and I don't know if it's specific for each person that you manage, if there's a different threshold, but I'm still learning the push and pull. Got it. So I, uh, I say this all the time that I'm a, actually I'm a pretty poor manager of people. <laughs> That's the truth. I'm not good at managing people. I don't try and like fake that I am. I say it pretty right up. Do I not say that Ryan? Right up front? I say it right up front. Yeah, I'm not a good manager of people. But I say that because I care enough that I want them to have good leadership. And I know like a good manager is somebody who can, you know, hold them accountable to different things, push them and like all these, I don't have that ability. I have ADHD, so let's just blame that. <laughs> um, but at least I'm self-aware enough to know what I'm, what I'm not good at. I've gotten better at it, um, but something I'm not, I'm not great at. So I try to put somebody else, you know, in place that can do those things effectively. But you, you start to talk about how you're trying to educate yourself to become better at these things, like with the push and the pull. Um, you're actively going in, in, and um, sitting in these meetings and like coming to Rhino X and, uh, and taking notes and learning and then going back and implementing, which is like the full circle phase of this whole thing. So I'm assuming that you have some sort of like educational stuff in place for your own staff, like something like that, that you're, you're pushing them to do. Um, what is it that you're doing like for yourself to kind of hold yourself accountable? Like, yeah. what are you, what is it that you're doing to fix that, that problem? And is it that problem? Is that the problem you're trying to fix for yourself? Is that like your main BHAG at the moment is I got to figure out how to make myself a better manager or leader? Yeah. Great question. So it's funny. I think I have undiagnosed ADHD. And my girlfriend's in the medical field and she tells me that. So I can relate to that. It's like nine o'clock at night and I'm, Squirrel. I'm yeah, totally all day. Um, but a, a few cool, unique things that we're doing is um, we have three leadership levels at our, at our shop. So leadership level one is, you know, staff that we want to take from a, from a frontline position that maybe they move to like a frontline supervisor. So we meet biweekly and we do things like disc, disc profiling, color codes, um, and we try to tackle two books. So extreme ownership is one, and then the five dysfunctions of a team. Um, and then we do two, like a... Wait, you never read the e-myth? Oh, it's on, it's on the docket. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah, that's really just about learning more about yourselves and how you communicate. So really just that's what we're focused on. Got it. Yeah, level three is where we, we drop the e-myth. Yeah. I just want to bust your chops. I thought Kim was going to chime in on that one, but I beat, maybe I beat you to it. I got to tell you, though, think about this. <laughs> think about this one. You got a $25 million business. I assume it's profitable, right? So you're at a crossroads. You want to educate yourself to be a better leader to help grow the business. Or you can go and find 
a very qualified, very tenured uh, guy with a track record who can take that business and 10x it again for you. And you're the shareholder and you drive it like a business, you know, like a, you know, brilliant business guy who takes people and puts talent in and lets them grow businesses for them and they go off and do other things. So I just want to make sure you understand, you know, I've seen that happen in our industry several times. That several times I've seen guys who have um, got the business to a certain level of scale, decided I'm not going to put in the time and effort it takes for me to educate myself. I'm, I'm concerned that that period of time that the business may unravel a bit or I'm not, I'm, maybe I'm not up for the game or I just don't want to. And they go out and they put talent in place in the business and that thing thrives and sends them five million bucks a year mailbox money, whether they show up or not. That's a pretty good life. It, it is. Yeah, it's a great life, but uh, it's, it's not where I'm at in my life. You know, like I, I just like the challenge. Like uh, it's really not what, what book am I reading? Now? I'm struggling to think of it, but there's no winners and losers. Like right now, I'm, I just enjoy the challenge. I just like waking up you know, going, doing the challenge. It's not about the financial. And it never was about the financial. I lived in a $80,000 house uh, up till last year. But you're right, there, there's a lot of value in finding the right people and putting them in the right seats. Um, and we did that most recently. So we've restructured a little bit with our management team. So we have like our frontline managers, our midline managers, and then we're starting to look at the like, you know, upper management or the C or the executive team, however you want to phrase it. Um, and that's what we did on, on with one of our mid-management level positions is we looked outside the industry. We found a gentleman who was overseeing about $300 million in, I'll call it service revenue. It's, it's not our industry, but like our industry. And, we, and we, we plugged him into that position because there's so much talent that he can bring to, to teach us, um, my brother and some other members. We can all grow from being around him. We were just talking about this. We were just talking about this exact same thing. You had mentioned because you have, well, you had like six, five or six guys here that were from outside the industry, right? Yeah, Something most like of our management staff is not from the industry and it's by, by design, by purpose. I have a couple, but uh, it's not the norm. Because look, it's the same scenario as what you describe, right? How many guys have got to a place where they can run a $50 million, $100 million branch and do it effectively in our industry. I mean, we there's not a lot of us out here, right? I can't. Um, so, you know, you're looking for a needle in a haystack, first of all. And second of all, you know, you, you do need to consider this this crossroads you're at. I know you want to do it. You want to you know you want you want to try. You want to do it. You want to learn. You want to grow. And it's not about the money, but it is about the money. And um, Think long and hard about that. You gotta, you, you've got it to a critical point, a critical mass where you could afford some really solid talent and put in place. And I'm not saying it'll be an autopilot, but you can just adjust it here and there. And then you could create the goose that lays the golden eggs for you. And then you can go out and, and learn all kinds of things you want. You can go back and get your MBA, your doctorate in business if you want to, <laughs> right? And then you can come back in if you want to. But, you know, you know, w ask yourself this. Would you hire you? So if you're at this crossroads now, you say, okay, I'm going to get the resume from this guy who worked with his dad 
And he did all these things, and he residential new construction. Then he did this, this, and this. And this biggest business he ever's run is $25 million. Would you hire that guy to run that asset? SmartAC.com. SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with SmartAC.com. You've got to check it out now. Just on resume only. It depends on how big the asset is. No, it's, <laughs> you know? it's your $25 million business. Probably not, right? Right. Yeah. So think about that. So, you know... You are the, you know, you're you're the you're the key guy of the company, and you have a lunatic for a boss. Yeah, I you. do. Yeah, it's my head. Yeah. 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 But anyway, I, listen. We all, you know, I'm in for the game. I was in it for the game, and I've and I've kept doing exactly what you're saying that you're going to do, and I have I have accomplished some of those things. Uh, but I will say, sometimes I look back and say. Wonder what it would have been like if I would have stopped here, got a management team, and sat back and let that thing throw me off five million bucks a year without me ever showing up. There's a value into that too. For sure. And and I forget, we were talking about it earlier. It was your business is your school. What was that phrase? I think you used it earlier on stage. Your business is a school for your employees. Um, and, and I also look at it as a school for myself with that. I you know, I kind of look at myself as a W-2 employee too. Um, pay myself like I'm a W-2 employee because I'm, I'm trying to learn too. And, and that's the, it was really interesting. You were, were talking about, it's kind of the law of the lid, but is it the Peter principle? Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? Is it, at what point do you, what are the early signs that you're at your Peter principle moment? Like what does that look like? Because that, that's kind of what we're talking about here too is, is what is my lid um, as my role and how can you continue to grow your lid or, or what might be early signs? Cause I don't think the early signs are a slippage in growth. I, I, I don't know if it's, I mean, in your experience, I guess, what, what would you say the signs of someone that's tapping on the Peter principle? Well, the obvious thing is you're not hitting your plan, right? You're, you're not, you're not execute on the plan. Number one, number two, you, your, your key people are falling off. There's turnover there, or there's high turnover inside of the organization. You know, everybody, everybody deserves to have a great manager, right? Everybody it deserves Every one of your team members deserves to have somebody that supports them and teaches them and holds them accountable and, and keeps them in the right place. And people want that. They, they don't say they want it, but they want it and they thrive better in that operation. So, you know, at the extent that you, you can't be that person or you're not being that person, that's where you need to look inward and say, do I need to hire for my weakness and get that in place? Or I just, do I need to move aside? I mean, you know, in this last presentation I just did, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're rolling up a little over $200 million in sales. And uh, while I don't, my ego doesn't say that I'm unprepared for the next move, I, I think about it. Am I prepared for this? Am I ready for this challenge? What, what does this new scale look like? What does my org chart got to look like? What do I have to be prepared to do and the skills I need to, to know and be able to execute on that will drive the plan? And there's going to be a point, and I know it. I know it will come up where 
I will have Peter principled out. And so, but the great thing is I've created a great business with great cash flows and I own a big chunk of it and they can send me checks. Yeah. And that made me think too, is I I remember thinking about this a year ago and and I'm glad you brought it up and made me reflect on it is that I've, you know, as you continue to grow, you, you have to develop yourself, but you change, you start to change. Like your, maybe your thought process changes, the way you communicate changes and pain, you know, with pain comes or with growth comes, has come pain, if that makes sense. You know, it's, it's not easy to grow. It's, it's painful, but you have to be vulnerable and open and, and willing to, to learn. So you said you're going to try and finish this year roughly, what, it was like 25, something like that? Yeah, 25. Yeah, 25. <laughs> That's the goal. What's, what's the, like, you're talking like, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm having fun learning and all the normal shit that we hear people say all the time at that phase. Um, but I get it because I like, I am enjoying the building part of it as well in our business. Um, we're similar. Um, but it, what is the, it, do you have something in mind that's like, this is where I'd like to go? Is that even a thought? Like, is there a number that you're like, okay, now now's when I'll make that, like, I'll start thinking about that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's, I'll answer it two ways. Okay. Um, the first way would be is I want to develop the people around me. I want to make sure that the, my team members, they have, you know, they're financially secure, They've, they've got great jobs. They've personally and professionally developed. So that's super important to me. Uh, and then the second thing from like a financial revenue standpoint would, you know, my goal, my, I'm pretty open with it. My goal is a hundred million. Um, so that's my goal revenue from a revenue standpoint, but also it's, it's more important for me to build my team up around me. And I want it's important for me to make sure they're financially secure and professionally and personally developed. Hey, do you remember? So what happens then? hundred million. I don't know. I'll tell you. I'll tell you in six years, seven years, whatever it is. <laughs> Who knows? Cause, you know, because it's it's a it's a treadmill, right? So oh, yeah. I just I just executed the uh, you know the the biggest deal of my career, and I'm thinking, and and it was a long long term goal, and I got it done, and then a few weeks later, I'm thinking, man, I could have done that better. <laughs> I could have I could have drove it up higher. You know, and I just kind of get back in the game again. So it's a trap sometimes, too. You get addicted to the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just want to take care of our people. Like, some cool things we're doing is because uh, I want to educate our frontline employees. Like, I don't want to be known as, like, butt crack Bob, you know. Like, I want to, like, make, make our team, you know, educated, sophisticated. So, like, each month we do monthly team meetings. It's, in, um, it's not really about the ROI for us on this, but, like, we do 401k continuing education twice a year in our monthly all staff. We do mortgage, you know, what's happening in the mortgage housing, you know, space. Cause I, I want, I want technicians as we, they join us at 22 from a trade school or 21, whatever age they're at to say, all right, I want to start thinking about buying a house. I don't want them saying like, Hey, I'm going to go to the bar and, you know, buy a bunch of drinks tonight. I want them to think, all right, I need to start saving money cause I need to put it in my 401k and buy a house. So I want to help shape, um, you know, our frontline team too. So. <laughs> All right. Hey, did you hear um, when Geiger said, we asked him at Rhino X, or somebody asked at Rhino X, they said, hey, what was, uh, if, if you could have done one thing different, if you could have done one thing different, what would it have been? Do you remember what his answer was? Yeah. I, 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 follow, I remember asking a follow-up question on that. He said <laughs> he would have done it faster. He would have done it faster, but yeah. then what was the follow-up question? I think I asked him, what did faster look like? What did he say? Uh, he said that he would have found the right partners 
Well, I, I, I don't want to paraphrase him. I think that's what he said. What he might have said and what I heard are two different things. What did you think you heard? <laughs> what I heard I need to do is look at maybe going, and, and it's hard, right? Because we're at 40 to 60% year over year. And when he's saying go faster, I'm like, crap, I don't know if faster is the right answer for us. I, th I think there's different things. But some things that, you know, we're looking to explore specific to our business, and I don't know about other businesses, is, you know, you can look at outside investment opportunities where they come in, they help you, they educate you. Um, or, but he also was talking about, you know, acquisition, M&A opportunities or greenfielding opportunities. So those are things where since then we've been actively looking at as well. Yeah, we were just talking about like the window, you know, and referencing like, when does this window close? I don't know. Ken has better pulse on that than I do. Um, but I, what I, I think what, when I hear Ken like push on you a little bit about this, what it makes me think of is you just, you're in a great spot and you have some great options. And if it is the building part that you like, you can still continue to build, but in a different position like so you can still do those things there's a lot you actually have a lot in your court like that's what's i'm excited for you about is that you know i, I think i've heard this story like kind of like this thing i had the same dialogue so many times you know and i've seen it go a couple different ways but the, what's cool about it is you put yourself in the position with this you know company with your brother and it had been your dad's and now you got some really good options to to blow this thing up like hitting your hundred i mean you're in a great market in chicago to really execute there. I mean, what you got, we know the big player is up there too. And Oh yeah. Um, not so sure you can knock, knock that off. Cause I think there's a little more involved to that than maybe we know. Yeah. And my, my <laughs> most respect to those guys too, you know, <laughs> not trying to, you know, what, oh, what Mike course. Tyson say, everyone has a plan to get hit in the face. Everybody so has a plan not, to get punched not trying to face. get punched in the face anytime soon. That's probably a good plan. <laughs> yeah. not so. to mess with. But, but think about, you know, this whole line of questioning, Warren Buffett, was, is probably credited to be one of the greatest businessmen of all times, but he'll tell you he can't run a business, right? You know, sure. he's the architect that who put it together, which sounds like, which was more what you were at, right? You were the architect that put this thing together. Um, you know, and I just want to throw it out for the whole, the, the group of listeners here. You don't have to be the, you don't have to be the president. You don't have to be the boss. You could just be the owner and there's probably a lot of people out there that can do it a lot better than you. Not you specifically, but there's people that you can do a lot better than you uh, driving a business forward and may have a longer term, better outcome for the stakeholders, meaning the shareholders and your employees. And then you can set the tone. You say, okay, you, wanna, you want your uh, frontline people to be more professional and, and uh, you know, uh, what, what would you say actually? Would you actually say about your frontline people? Um, I really want my frontline people to be, you could use the word more professional. I think that's fair, but I don't remember exactly what I said. I might okay. went off on it. Sometimes I just go off on a tangent. I don't well, know. I mean, you know, you, you want them to thrive and grow and, and have a great opportunity. So you just make that directive to your new management team. I mean, look, I'm involved in these private equity deals and have been in many times. They just, that's how they look at it. They... I put the talent with the right credentials, with the right track record in the right places. I put it with the capital. We put it with our experience. We put the guardrails on it and we go. So I guess what I'm saying is you're in a great place here. You got a lot of options. So be careful that you pick the right one. 
Yeah, I, that's probably, and so if you were to ask what keeps me up at night, it's making sure that we're positioning the bit, because really it comes down to positioning the business to, to continue to be successful and whatever that looks like. And that's probably the one thing that keeps me up. And, and so that's why it's like some self-reflection of my own leadership ability. But also I want to make sure that we do what's best for the company and the people within the company and our, in our community. We're a big community people as well. So. Now, so uh, given the size that you're at, do you guys have a, like a tech training type of, like what are you doing for staffing to kind of support this growth that you guys are doing? <laughs> yeah, um, so we'll jump on the, the bandwagon here. So, you know, I've learned a lot from some of the great, especially at the Rhino X conference. Mm -hmm. And it's good to hear great things like that that reinforce what you're already thinking. And so we're working on uh, a training facility. So we're, we're building um, about a 2,500 square foot building specific for just training. Just, you know, the technical ability or the soft ability, however that might look like. We already do the weekly trainings with uh, you know, all departments from a soft perspective. We do the reinforcement on the technical, but really how can we start to take technicians coming out of trade school? And, and I think Ken said it best earlier, more of a polishing school is a way is a great way to think of it. Yeah, and fin just, finishing school. Or a finishing school, yeah, yeah, sorry about that. I want to polish them up, but finishing is, <laughs> it sounds way better uh, as a finishing school as well. So, and so that's already, that's already in place. So you're moving forward with that. Yeah. It should be done by the end of the year. So do you have uh, like a trainer or somebody that you've got, that's going to take that and run with it? Like, how's that going to go down? Yeah. Um, I don't know. We're just going to wave a wand, throw some money. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, we have a, you know, a pretty comprehensive plan on how we're going to do it. So uh, we're We have a partner um, with one of our best practice groups. They have a, um, like a technical training that we're going to implement. And then we'll we'll go ahead and add our soft training to it, and, and we already kind of have an extensive plan, I guess. What what best practice group is that? Nextar. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, did you connect with uh, Chad Peterman when you were at Rhino X? Yeah, yeah, I, I met with Chad about a month prior to that as well, down at his facility. Oh, I was gonna say because that's probably like I mean you guys are pretty like he's kind of just left where you're going. Yep, Chad's you know? Chad's awesome. Yeah, he's a good guy. Cool. Good. Well, obviously, like, that's always a question I'm always asking. Before you and I even, you know, we all were on the phone talking about a partnership, that was one of the questions I asked was, what do you have to support what you're asking us to do you know, alongside yep. you guys? Um, but I was glad that you came on here to ask him questions and kind of push on them a little bit, too, because it, it's been fun having, having sat through so many of these conversations just to kind of see where people's heads are at. I think what happens, too, is, and you know more than me, KG, is people don't actually really understand what all the options are like yes you have you have but like there's lots of variations whether you you pull you use the chris hoffman approach of you know of the whole evergreen model if you're going private equity if it's you know you decide to sell out completely if you're just if you're going to roll equity all there's lots of options that you have i probably learned more in the last two years than i ever thought i wanted to know or would know about private equity and like how the partnerships work enough to where it's like I mean, and you, I mean, and you know this, Ken, because you and I are pretty close. Like, even, you know, people throw stuff at me all the time. And I've never even, like, really considered it because I didn't know enough to understand what it really meant. Uh, but I've heard a lot of great success stories, you know. I've heard, also heard a lot, you know, I would say you hear some, not the the one or two or three that maybe didn't go the way they were planned. And then that throws shit all out of whack. Like everybody takes that as like, it's it. instead of all these positive case studies, it's, it's this little one. Now 
one of the most, um, I can't remember if it was you, if you asked me right before this podcast, you know, what were the, my favorite podcasts I've ever done? I said two of them. One was with Jens Pulver, um, which you met Jens at Rhino X, the first Rhino X. And the second one was what? Do you remember? Uh, I don't. The Say second. ADHD. You said something. Squirrel saw saw not. You know. Second one was the one I did with Ken on on his transformation podcast. Yep. He was talking about like, you know, just um, a lot of that was a pretty pivotal moment in your life when we had that podcast. And you're kind of talking about you know when like Dunk, which by the way, Dunk's sitting here. Duncan, what's up, my man? <laughs> he's like, is this thing over yet? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I heard about my dad. Jesus, he's like, it's my face on the side of that band. But you just kind of talked about how it impacted your, you know, like your life. And then that whole transformation that you went through and like some of the things that might you might have done differently. Well, um, you guys didn't come up the same, like the way he started his business. And you talked about you had 800 bucks and you finally, by the way, that was a brilliant way to end off a ACA panel was to throw that out there yeah. well done but the point i'm getting at with it is like maybe you just don't really understand all the potential options to build what you want to build i'm still learning these things it's just cool that you put you you guys have put yourself in that position but i will also say there's because of the market that you're in you ain't even got to leave that market to, to try and get close to that number you know what i mean like you're in a phenomenal market for it so we've had a lot of success there all over the years too with some companies too. I've been in that market a long time, you know, I haven't started the business. Um, but I always look at like, what are you trying to do to support the growth? The same thing, because that has to be a plan. So you have, you have the tech training stuff that you're going to start to implement, but there's still some guys that listen to this podcast. And I would say probably a big majority of you who do, can't, can't do that. Like, what were you doing before that to try and bring people in? Yeah, good. they don't have those resources, the money, the training, the facility, like those things. They're just still trying to get like somebody. <laughs> yes. Um, so we did. I mean, before we had anything, we would go to employees houses and, and we would say, hey, don't worry about paying. Just pay for the material costs. And we're, we're going to do some training at your house because, like, you know, employee might come and say, hey, you know, what, my furnace isn't working. Cool. That's awesome. We're going to send one of our technicians there and the trainer with them or a supervisor, just someone that has more technical experience than what that technician has. We're going to send them there and they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to repair it. They're going to learn. They're going to do all this great stuff. So that's kind of where we started. That was, I mean, you, when we were two and a half million, we weren't big, you know, we didn't have those resources. As we kind of continue to grow over the last two years, we put three uh, live furnaces and airs in like the, the back room where no one ever goes and it's dungy and no one likes it, but hey, it's training. Um, and we did that and, and we created like bug boxes and stuff where, you know, a supervisor or manager can go ahead and set default codes and then they would have to try to, you know, diagnose it. So at first we didn't have, I mean, back to, you know, similar to Ken, when in 2016, my, my dad had asked my mom to borrow money to make payroll. Like we didn't have a lot of pay. Things were not shiny in 2016. And, and there were some financial challenges there. Um, so, you know, you don't have to have money to go to a, do a free service for an employee to do training, I guess is what I'm trying to say. What's next for you guys? Like I know you guys are currently HVAC and plumbing. Like is electrical like even visible is it down the road <laughs> is it even a thing is it like situational oh, like is it on the radar yeah so right now we're we're getting sewer off the ground 
Uh, what was it? Anything underneath a million a month is a hobby. Half a million. Half just, a million. Just a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just a hobby. So we're we're hobbying sewer right now. <laughs> um, and uh, one our install manager Cody, he's my brother as well. And uh, when we were coming up here, we were driving my brother's car and talking with Cody. I said, if you can do two million in sewer and one million in electrical, I'll buy you whatever car you want. <laughs> So, and then the purpose is because he's been trying to, he's been on me about getting this Ford Lightning, which I, I think it's an electrical truck. I'm not sure. And I said, I will buy your electrical truck if you get electrical off the ground and sewer going in the right direction. So it's on our radar. I would say not on the radar this year. Sure. We might start to staff it. And that's how we kind of got into plumbing is, is we staffed some skilled plumbers. And then we went for the licensing and then we went for the rebrand. So it'll probably be similar on the electricals. We'll start to staff for it a little bit, and and then you know, there's more to it than that. But yeah, it's on our radar probably next year. Okay. Now, now let me ask this: Why? Why did you decide to go on a, a new trade before your first trade wasn't a market leader? Great question. For me, it was a financial reason and a supportive reason. So for the heating and cooling trade, plumbing supports heating and cooling. And we already had the call. So we, we did call tracking. Like how many plumbing calls were we getting a day to see what the demand already looked like? And then how can we help support it from heating and cooling? And so it was just lost revenue. And I like to diversify. I don't like all my income coming, all my eggs in one basket. So really it was for me is, is we continued to grow what I realized from two and a half to let's just say and it all went within a few years, so we're moving quickly here, is I realized that our peaks were getting higher and our lows were getting lower. We were profiting higher in peak months, and we were losing a lot of money in, in low-hanging months. And so Because how, you had a bigger staff. Because we had bigger staff, yeah, yeah. We were driving more trucks, more installs, all that fun stuff. But we had that overhead expense in the, in the lower months. So really it was about diversifying our income, or really how can we generate more gross profit dollars to support the business so that it's, it's not as, you know, we're, we're not budgeting lost months. It's more of how can we break even in these months. So it, it was about diversifying our portfolio more. And the demand was already there. So it just, it made sense for us, if that makes sense. <laughs> so. Are you satisfied? Well, <laughs> I, I'll say this. I know everybody wants to rush and do plumbing. I don't know why it totally. gets so excited about plumbing. But <clears throat> my, my tact has been, hey, let's have a... Let's have a rock-solid HVAC business before we try to add another trade. And I got to tell you, plumbing is a different trade than air conditioning. It is not a completely transferable thing. I mean, really, the only thing that's really similar is that they drive trucks to the house. <laughs> but it's a different trade. It's a different, uh, different labor force. They look at it differently. The pricing and the think. Think about how things go. It's different. Different. It's a little more complicated because there's more pieces and parts. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a uh, just plug and play thing. So some guys struggle, you know, when they make that switch. Now, Nextar has great systems. So, so if you stick to the systems and you implement them, you got a pretty good ch uh, chance of getting implemented and moving forward. But my my mantra has always been get the business to a, a really rock solid place in your first trade, whether it's plumbing or air first, before you start venturing into the other trades. It sounds like you're making it work. Yeah, and I 100% agree with that. Cause just in reflection, I was like, oh yeah, 
one of the mistakes I've made was our endeavors into plumbing. And one thing I would have done differently is, is looked at the options of going into plumbing and not just organic. I, I think there's better options than the route we took. I think I lost a few years of my life, uh, like emotionally and physically from getting into plumbing because it was just a lot of additional stress on top of COVID. And, all and, that and I'll tell you this, at two and a half million dollars in plumbing, I know you think you may be making money at it. It depends how you allocate the overhead, right? But uh, that's not a lot to start covering the um, indirect costs and some of the extra overhead you really have to have for the business. And again, most people don't pick that up. You know, at one point in my career, I, I, I had a job at ARS and I went through and I started looking at all the businesses and I departmentalized all the financial statements and I found that the branches that were HVAC led by an HVAC team or person, the HVAC made money and the plumbing didn't. If it, was man, if it was led by a plumbing guy, the plumbing made money, the HVAC didn't. And, you know, once we departmentalized the financials and started driving the results on both sides, they both came up and lifted and we pulled it all together. But uh, it is, I just want to make sure everybody understands as we're talking about that, you did make it sound very, very easy, but uh, it's, it's, it's something that you have to have a delicate walk through to make sure you execute well, or you can be spinning your wheels for a lot of years. Yeah, and to piggyback on that, because I didn't even think about it, is, you know, when we were at that two and a half million level, things that were key to us was starting to learn our financials, right? Like you're talking about departmentalizing, classing, your, your, your accounting system, and really starting to identify what are our key um, chart of accounts that we want to have on our P&L. And, and really one area that I missed, but I've learned since, is to really focus on the balance sheet too. So like two and a half to five was a huge focus on cleaning up the financials, making sure that you knew what your percentages of material and labor were. And then really what was really fundamental for us, and I say this because I want to make sure that it's captured for all the other, you know, two and a half to five, five to seven and a half is what was in, what really helped us was starting to focus on operational at five million. So we're like a $4 million company. I'm all excited. I'm going to this next our marketing workshop. I'm like, all right, I'm going to ready to spend some money, do some cool stuff, maybe get on TV or radio or whatever it was. And I walk in and the first thing they said is, well, what are you doing with the calls you already have? And I like scratch my head and I'm like, crap, that's a really good point. So I like <laughs> run back to the shop. So like from five to seven and a half, we were like super focused on operational KPI, starting to say like, what are we doing with the call? That's, like, what are we doing when the phone rings? Let, let's start there. And I, I'll go ahead and openly admit, we're not the best at it today. Um, but what are we doing when yeah. the yeah, yeah, we've, we've got new partners in town. Um, Rhino, <laughs> give that shout out for you. Um, but what are we doing when, when the phone rings? And we're super good at execution operationally. Um, so, so really that was really fundamental for us. I wanna make sure that's captured here is, you know, getting clear on what your financials look like and then making educated financial decisions on where you gotta go. Start to look at gaps. How am I operating? What am I doing with the calls when the tech's there? What is, you know, am I running a lot of warranty calls? And that really elevated our business as well. Hey, by the way, Chris, if you delivered a $50 lead to one of your clients, delivered mean to his phone switch, going through all of the, all of the dilution points, what is typical that costs a lead by the time 
it shakes out to a job. So I would call that a customer acquisition because it's gotten past the booking rate. Uh-huh. I mean, it's gotten booked. Oh, God. Uh, pending on the company, <laughs> the <Yeah>. sophistication <laughs> of it. Well, give, me, give me the range. I mean, you'd say that $50 probably end up in the $200 range. Yeah. So it does Two, depend. 200 typical or 200 worst case? I would say 200 upper medium. I was thinking best case. <laughs> no, no. I mean, 200 is not so bad yeah. all the way to the end. But I will say, you know, I've seen them, I've seen them delivered at 50 and end at 500. A hundred percent. And yeah. and there's so much that goes on. So to your point, like that's, that's, that's one of our staple items. I don't spend a dime more in, in lead gen until their metrics are firing where they need to be because you're just, you're, you're just going to, it's like airflow, right? You know, the more velocity you push through ducks, the, the, the losses become exponential, right? Same thing. Exactly. Hey, yeah. so do you remember when I was talking at the, uh, at, at my breakout about the gap? Yeah. Not the gap that you shop at, baby gap, <laughs> but the, the gap of between um, marketed leads and closed revenue. So you weren't sitting in there, but that's, that's kind of where, like what you're talking about is what I'm talking about. We spend the majority of our time with businesses that have kind of maybe gotten past that 5 million in that gap. Even when you get like 200 million, there's still so much to find in that gap that can be tweaked before you spend a dollar more on anything. That can help, you know, with the bottom line, all these things. So you getting in the cadence of doing all those things early on will certainly, certainly gonna be helpful. Dude, I'm excited for you. Congratulations on what you guys are building. You know, I appreciate you sharing, you know, kind of being vulnerable enough to, you know, to share some of the things that you've learned. And, and I think there's so much, um, like, strength and uh, in confidence in that vulnerability. You know, some people look at it as a weakness. I look at that as the exact opposite. Um, self-aware, maybe, is the right word to use. But that's the type of thing that will keep you from getting in your own way as you continue to grow the business. And you clearly have a lot of good opportunities, you know, and, and ahead of you and just options in the business and everything so and you 10 you 10x the business without grant cardone <laughs> <laughs> oh man all by yourself <laughs> you know you know what that just comes from input right your input is your output and so like the more hours you and it wasn't easy right is uh you know and a lot of owners might find themselves too of working 60 70 hours a, a week and and your input does directly relate to your, to your output of, of what you can do. And, and going back to maybe some of our conversation earlier in reflection is, is there's easier ways to do things. You just got to find the right channel to find it. So that might be, par, you know, partnering with outside investors. It might be going to ACA events or joining a best practice groups. But there's easier ways to do things and the answer's out there. I, I think I said this to you earlier when the, you know, the old saying, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear in front of them. So really just understanding what you don't know, I guess. Well, you know how you're going to 10X your business this next time around, right? I, I do. <laughs> Partner right there. <laughs> That's how you're going to do it, right there. <laughs> All right, man, listen, I appreciate you guys coming on here. Hey, KG, thanks for taking that time out. I know you have uh, many suitors out there that want to go and talk to you and get some Ken Goodrich time. You're, you're um, the sexiest you suitor ever get today. sick of that? you got to get sick of that. Come on, Doc. You know you're getting sick of that shit. I get sick of it. <laughs> uh, 
uh, with all due respect to them, with all due respect. Seriously, man, I appreciate hopping on here and KG taking the time and, and asking questions. I mean, listen, like this is like one of the rawest conversations we had. It kind of derailed a little bit, which is what I love when every time you get Ken involved, just because like you can see when he starts firing on a different cylinder and coming at you, but it's coming from like a, a place of like genuinely caring and trying to be helpful and things like that. So, which is what I love. But congrats, man, to you, your brothers, like your, you know, your family, like the whole deal is pretty, is pretty badass. I'm excited to be able to have, you know, to have a partnership with you guys and when we get things launched and kind of see where it goes. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think if, if, if you would, um, you, because I know we have a lot of listeners that have kind of are in that, like, say, five to, you know, $20 million range that might want to reach out to you and connect, um, what's what's the best way they can contact you? Why don't you give them your cell phone number? I'm kidding. You no, can email. I do that. No, so uh, I am the worst email person ever. So, so text? Yeah, definitely. Text or Facebook. So my uh, cell phone's 815-830-0113. Um, so I'd say either shoot me a text. I'm a big texter. I'll respond pretty quickly or, uh, I'm a typical millennial. You can also Facebook me. So <laughs> Facebook, yes. you want to FaceTime me? I hate it. Oh, I don't do FaceTime. Oh. Hey, now that you gave out your number, you're going to have 79 PE groups calling you on your cell phone. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> so you know what's coming. Yeah. Here you go. You're like, Hey, did you hear Ken's advice? <laughs> He said, he said to FaceTime him. You hear that? That's the sales tactic. He said FaceTime him. I'm a millennial. <laughs> oh, man. I'm getting right over here. I'm getting in the hot seat. Oh, boy, you got it. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you so much coming on here, uh, you know, to get in sharing the story. And, and I wish you guys a bunch of success. Clearly, you're going to have it, too. So um, I want to go ahead and finish this podcast off like I always do, listeners, with just a, a quick review, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll check out. You have any, unless you have any parting words you want to share. Well, let me say this. That's a yes. All right, I'm going to share the story real quick that I, that I told uh, – earlier this morning, right? So, uh, 1990, I was on my last 800 bucks and I was struggling. I didn't know quite what I was going to do about business, thinking about, throwing, thinking about throwing in the towel. And I'm looking through a trade magazine and I see the ACK convention in San Antonio. And I had just enough money to go. So I went and I went to the ACK convention and said, this is my last ditch see if I can learn something, find something at that place. And I, I, uh, I'm there and I meet a few guys and they start to help me and they're sharing ideas. And I start to pick up some things that I didn't know, or I start to answer some questions that I had uh, needed the answers to. And I, and I had a great time at the um, Expo and learned all kinds of things and regained my um, excitement for the business and created contacts that helped me get through it. So what I'd like to say about it is ACA was the first kind of best practice group and they set all the standards of which we do everything in our trade by. ACA did. And so um, ACA and ASHRAE. But uh, I think anybody who is in the air conditioning business just needs to be part of ACA just to be close to the tools, close to the fundamentals of the trade that we do. And they, not to mention they have other attributes like their best practice, I mean, their mixed groups and some other things that they, classes that they have that really can help you. You Outside, there's other best practice groups that offer other different types of training and things that you that can use. Like Nexstar is a little more specific and they have great business systems that you've implemented too, but you see the thing like I have, 
where you need both, right? You really need a trade background if you're going to be great at this trade, at this business. You've got to understand it is a technical business, and you also need the business side, the lead generation, lead conversion, and client fulfillment sides. So, yeah, got it. ACA. <laughs> got it. That was my ACA. That got was it. my ACA plug, and obviously you agree because you're here too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where it started for me was ACA forums. Like, you know, what's the best software out there? Where, you know, what's the best uh, best practice group? So, it's really ACA was really fundamental, and and I couldn't agree more. So, yeah. Well, and since we are live at uh, ACA Conference 2022, that was a perfect ending, Ken. I know, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> He's a professional. All right, listeners, hopefully you guys enjoyed this message. I'm going to go ahead and finish with the review, and we're going to get the heck out of here. This review is from Jose Mina, uh, Texas, TX, assuming that means Texas. Uh, this guy, oh, five stars, priceless education. Five stars. These guys are always putting content out and delivering every week. Not only do I get nuggets, but you guys make dr my drive time easy and entertaining. Thank you, Chris. That's very thoughtful of you. I appreciate that wow, so much. Wait, where's mine? This isn't. This where's my review? Clearly, this wasn't the podcast that you were on. Oh, so they listened to one of the other, you know, five that you're not on. So, hey, whoever that is, thank you so much for those reviews. And obviously, listeners, maybe love those reviews. Keep leaving them. And listen, you have Ken on this podcast. You heard him like he's feeling bad for himself that he wasn't mentioned in the review. So go ahead and leave one, and then I'll read that one on the next podcast. Fair enough. Whatever star you give, read it out. <laughs> I got it. I'll take it. All right, perfect. All right, until next time, we'll see you guys. You don't have to go and do everything, but do something. No zero days. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really Really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review. And be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.